What's going on, guys? I'm Alex. Welcome to another episode of the BSR Show. We are the Black Series Rebels. With me, as always, is my boy, Stephen Ellis. I'm so, I've been stoked that we've been doing MMCs, but I am so stoked to kind of put the MMC down for a second and do this interview. Let's get to it. Who's with us today? And leaning back behind the counter, looking oh so cool. You know it's my boy, Cisco Kid. Eh, worst episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking all things Marvel Comics this week, and I'm not going to lie, I'm going to fan out a little bit. Joining us is absolutely one of my favorite, favorite artists, favorite people on the planet, all the way from the Bay Area. It is Rat136, Matt Ritchie. Thanks for being here, buddy. Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> I'm fucking stoked. I feel like all our listeners now are going to hear me fucking nerd out like a dweeb this whole <laughs> conversation. <laughs> So, Matt, for, for the folks at home, I, the, the, one of the reasons why we were so excited to bring you on the show is you have a love of Marvel Comics like nobody I've ever really met. Do you want to talk just briefly about where that love kind of was sort of birthed into your existence? Yeah. First, I got a question for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I listened to uh, your latest episode um, uh, earlier today, and uh, you guys had a little like little stinger at the end of it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, heard, I thought I heard one of my besties. Uh, that is, we were going to talk about. It. I was going to talk about it at the end. Yeah, dude, that Skinner <laughs> plays at the end of it's our favorite <laughs> fucking clip. Is that fucking Pixar? In thing. fact, it's but funny it's, that video. It's weird because I brought him into Pixar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because it, 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 I, I used to work there, and then and after I left, I still had a lot of friends there. And uh, I said, hey, Skinner, you want to go and check out Pixar? And this was uh, actually quite a while ago. And uh, he said, yeah. And so uh, we hooked up, and we drove out there and, uh, and uh, brought him in and introduced him to my friends. And he got to check out the studio and, and, and take, a, take a little tour of Pixar. So I thought that was hilarious to hear him talk about <laughs> Well, you know what's uh, funny about that is, is that video we found on, we saw on Instagram while we were the three of us in a jam-packed car van full of stuff going down to San Diego for that like pin and patch con thing that you actually came into town for. And that's the last time I think we saw you. Yeah. Physically for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. The last time I saw but you that, that weekend was when Skinner did that, posted that video on his Instagram stories. And it's been a long running thing that we have always sent and texted to each other. Just can't yeah, have to fuck around with that soft little baby shit, man. Like it literally is. <laughs> it's one of, it brings a smile to my face at the end of every episode. And we, we kind of had it on there because we've been waiting for people to, I guess, notice it. And the funny thing, I think we finally had a listener reach out and was like, Hey dude, like that thing at the end about Pixar, like what is that? And and now we always send them to Skinner's page and they always write back, Oh, this is fucking brutal. I love this. So it's like, yeah, a fun he, little... he, he, he had a good time there. He, he was super sweet and, uh, well, Skinner is super sweet at the end of the day. He's, he's just the sweetest guy. But, um, yeah, anyways, I just, I was curious about that. Cause I heard, I heard that familiar <laughs> voice and I, and that made me laugh. So enjoyed that we quite a bit 
we, we, I mean, I've only, I think I met him very briefly through you. Maybe you might've said, Hey, Alex is Skinner, Skinner, this uh, very briefly. And I DM'd him and said, Hey, I don't know if you'd get a kick out of this, but we play this at the end of every podcast episode we do. And he just wrote back like, Holy fucking shit. That's the raddest fucking thing. <laughs> he was so fucking stoked. So it'll always, no matter what from here on out with, as long as we have Skinner's approval, that will be at the end of anything that this collective works on. We absolutely get all, all, all look for it as we, so, as we go forward too. So. You talk about, you know, I, I kind of met you through, uh, Cody, who does all of the visual development for this podcast. And obviously, you know, Cody and I have worked on a, yeah. a million of other creative projects. And you mentioned Skinner, which kind of brings me to Art Night. Uh, you know, you're, you've been fucking an art artist for, God, you're now probably... 40-something years. 40-something <laughs> years, man. Like, and, and as lame as it sounds, and and not to kind of force a segue in there, but like, Let's just talk about your inspirations. Doesn't even need to be Marvel. Like what, why, why the pen, why the pencil, why pick it up? Well, let's talk about Marvel actually. And, yeah. uh, cause it does, it actually has a lot to do with it. Um, so I was born in 1970. I'm 50. Um, and so I got, I hear you guys pontificate about star Wars all the time. And I've listened to you guys and, and this and that. And I remember, man, I was there. I, I was in the theater 1977 as a six-year-old, um, just getting my mind twisted, you know, by, a mm-hmm. by Star Wars, um, being one of the, uh, being a child in impressionable age, actually there at the release, feeling that energy, chasing the ice cream man down the street to get the, uh, wax packs card, uh, haranguing my mom for Star Wars figures and, mm-hmm. um, and just beginning, you know, that pop culture love affair that a lot of people my age and, and very much my age as well too, you know, um, really started that, um, that, um, kind of nostalgic, like looking back at our childhood and, and seeing what, what really influenced us, what we really enjoyed. Um, Marvel comics was a very early entry into my life, even earlier than star Wars. Um, I had a, I was born with a, a situation where I had a hernia as a child and mm. I had to have a little operation. It was no real big deal, but I was in the hospital um, when I was about five years old um, for a few days. And my mom had brought me uh, Iron Man comic because my very first comic. But it kind of wasn't because I ended up leaving it at the hospital. But I remember mm-hmm. just being enamored with, uh, you know, it's probably in 1975 issue of Iron Man and just really looking at it and enjoying it at the hospital. Later on, I got another comic book, but it was Micronauts by Marvel Comics when they had the uh, Micronauts toy license. And to this day, I'm the most monstrously insane Micronauts fan of the toys, but especially that Marvel comic. I just fucking love it. I got the whole run. Um, I draw them um, often. I could draw them from memory. Um, I just absolutely love the Micronauts. Found the Star Wars comics later, too. And then just, that was it. Spider-Man, X-Men, is on and on. And I never stopped. Never stopped collecting. Um, never stopped enjoying that stuff. Um, I had lulls, but I never had an absence of it. You know, I'd have lulls where I just kept it on that, kept it low-key, didn't buy books that much. But from about uh, 70, 
77, 78, all the way until now. I, I've been going to comic shops. Uh, my first comic shop is Alice Comics in Stockton. Um, went there in 79, and, and I was just a regular. It's one of the first West Coast comic book stores. And then uh, I became a regular comic book uh, collector. And my collection is... <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> he says with a smile on his it's face. It's funny. It's funny that we're talking. Comic no, books I'm looking I... at an X-Men issue four right now, actually. It's kind of why I'm <laughs> kind of, and not, not the Jim Lee issue four either. The, uh, the, the Stanley Jack Kirby, um, first appearance of Scarlet Witch and, and Quicksilver first, the, um, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants number four, that, that number four. So, Matt, it's funny um, yeah, that we're I, talking comic collections today because I actually uh, i I ended up doing a little organizing of my collection today, some of, of, of my newer stuff that I bought, and uh, putting a bunch of stuff that is like uh, I'm putting to the top of my stack, quote unquote, to read <laughs> inside of like a new yeah. long box that's just for stuff to read. So my collection isn't good though; like it's just a bunch of shit. It's not like. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that I have because I don't. I, um, it sounds like you have a lot of like probably Silver Age stuff. I don't have. I love Silver Age and Bronze Age books. And, yeah, and that's because the Silver Age is the birth of the Marvel universe. And right, Mar- and of the big companies, um, Marvel is my my favorite of the two big companies. And the and the and the, the first appearances and the, the key issues. Um. They are very expensive and very hard to acquire, but um, I got to jump on it. You know, like I said, I, I'm I'm a little older, so I, I got to. I purchased an X Men issue one at fifty dollars in 1990. You nice. know, I mean that, and it's a ten thousand dollar book now, and it's great. So it's yeah. Oh, it's right, great, right time. And yeah, oh yeah, yeah. A lot of all of my my heavies are, are are graded just because it's not that I love the the encapsulation of the books, but I do yeah. love the third party grading and I take it kind of with a grain of salt once in a while. But I also mm-hmm. like the fact that um I do have access to these books on Marvel Unlimited if I want to read them. And these sure. books as they age, I, I just don't even want to touch some of these books, especially if they're ex- expensive. You know, I just would I just would rather have them encapsulated. That being said, okay. I have quite a few valuable raw comics that I am kind of glad I have access to as well. Nice. So yeah, is it, the, the you know, obviously like, and, and, and Matt, you can forgive my ignorance, right? Because we're kind of living in a world where like art and pop art have kind of fused in this like coagula of like, what is, what is art or whatever. And, and f- for you, like, yeah, Marvel my, comic, like entire, like life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, 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 it it's, it's kind of beautiful that you encapsulate them because I mean, what in X amount of years, pick a generation, they're going to look back at that Jack Kirby uh, X-Men one. And they're going to be like, this right here is a generation of, you know, Warhol or a Mona Lisa or whatever you want to kind of, you know, bestow upon it is. And I say this in quotes, like valued art. Uh, Is there, is there any like, when you were young, was there a type of art you gravitated towards instantly when reading those books? Yeah, I mean, I was. Oh, you mean artist or just art? Art style? Oh, I mean, art, art, artists, what, whatever. However, that inspires you. Yeah, well, 
I'd say that like as far as an art form, it was my first proclamation that when I was a child to my mother that I wanted to be a comic book artist. That was the first proclamation of a profession that mm-hmm. I was interested in. Um, I'm not insane though. Um, I'm very glad that um, my the art that I have done um, and, and the you know you know for whether it be through galleries or through um, clients and contracts and and, and stuff has not been comics, at least the interiors, um, mainly because it's such a grueling work, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. um, it is a discipline and it's something that, um, I I just never fell into the industry on that level, which is, which is fine. I, I I think I'm going to crank out some of my own, you know, work until then. I, um, I, you know, I did, you know, I've done uh, varying cover work and stuff, but not, not interiors, but, um, yeah, it's definitely something that I've always, it's almost like I loved too much, loved it too much to actually do it professionally. And then as I started meeting friends who did do it professionally, I went, okay, um, that's a, that's an extremely, you know, uh, demanding, uh, art form and demanding and not that I'm not disciplined because I'm extremely disciplined, but um, it just wasn't something that I was, that I fell into as far as like a profession, but I was extremely influenced by it. So my fine art and, uh, a lot of my, um, contract work, it does, it, it's definitely affected by my, my love and my, uh, it, you know, exposure to comics and totally Marvel comics. Matt, Matt, do you remember after that, that, uh, Iron Man comic that your mom brought you, do you remember the first one that you bought yourself? Um, you know, it's funny. Um, I, the first comic I think I bought myself cause my mom bought me, um, the Iron Man comic and then she didn't, uh, that was lost. And I later, she bought me, uh, Micronauts comic, uh, a couple of those and especially the giant size annual one that was actually, um, done by Steve Ditko and what a cool book to have at a young age, but not knowing who the artist is, but being influenced by it and it being Steve Ditka. And he's one of my all time, you know, favorite artists, um, for the big companies. Of course, Jack Kirby is my all time, all time favorite. And you guys gotta, you guys gotta know the importance of Jack Kirby at this point. Right. Oh yeah. Um, Stanley's, he, he, he had a heavy hand in, in, in a lot of stuff, but not the heaviest hand by any margin. He, um, uh, Kirby created the Marvel universe. There's no, no argument. He created it. He's the one who created it. He created mm. it. Um, that visual styling is so, so, um, uniquely his obviously. And the, well, the visual styling, they designed the characters and created the characters. You, you gave them their costumes in a lot of cases, yep. their name. He was, not just a finisher and, and uh, or a, a penciler. He, he was um, he plotted and he and he, he ended up taking synopses and turning them into stories. And mm-hmm. um, you know he, he was he was the architect of the Marvel universe. And um, Stanley was uh, he sold it, the Marvel universe. He got in front of everything and he and he and he sold it. But um, as the key creator of that, you know, and I really hope you know as the years go. Um, that that is more sort of 
publicized and recognized and documented and, and, and shared. And speaking of Skinner, man, you want to talk about a, a huge, huge, uh, Kirby estate advocate. And Skinner's is, uh, um, one of, one of the biggest Kirby fans I know. Um, and you know, I, and absolutely understands how, how this, this guy was not really, and still has not been given the due he's been given as far as, uh, um, all these MCU movies and everything. I mean, his name should be slammed across the entire front of the screen and then everybody else's shit. And that's my opinion. You know, that's definitely my opinion. Well, it's interesting because I mean, it, the, it, for people who don't aren't familiar with those early Marvel comics, you know, the, the Marvel method is what was basically like the, it was their, their, um, their style of, for, uh, their, their, uh, form of storytelling. And, um, I mean, the, the artists were doing all the heavy lifting. They were, I mean, they were the cinematographers, you know, and just yeah, like you said, and, they were given like a synopsis. And the writers and then, in a lot of cases too, because right. the Marvel method did make, um, you know, there's a lot of narrative demand put on the artists as well. Yeah, really, if, you just um, get, uh, if, if all you're getting is a page of story beats or whatever, just like very vague story beats. And then you create the entirety of the comic book. And then, you know, somebody comes in and puts the words on there or, you know, you know, whatever, however many refines the words, words, yeah, refines the words. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that that has been, that narrative has, has been what's taken over and kind of been brushed under the rug. But I agree with you. I do. I think mean, that- it, it'd be nice to be corrected, but I mean, and that being said, it's not that, that, um, an individual like Stanley did not contribute quite a bit. Right. Uh, but I think later you know, in his but, life, he did acknowledge that, you know, like, later on. Oh it, yeah, he did. Yeah. He, and that's, um, you know, and the thing is, is, it, um, Stan Lee is an, uh, energetic and creative and kind person, um, a, um, on a lot of levels as well. I've had the pleasure of, um, speaking with him at length and have met him easily a dozen or more times and, um, has spent time with him. And Jack Kirby, I'm one of the only people that, <laughs> that I've met who's actually met, I met him one time and had wow. a very lovely conversation with Jack Kirby and his wife, Rosalind. Oh my mm. gosh. And that was, That's a, amazing. that was an amazing, yeah. And he was as amazing as I wanted him to be, you know, when you, when you don't want to meet your heroes and you're meeting the, probably the biggest hero of your life, you really want that to go smooth. And Man, um, you I, really want, I've heard a lot of horror stories from other, <laughs> about other creators, you know, other influential creators that, that are very standoffish and, you know, very negative when, when they meet fans and hearing that about Jack Kirby, because you don't hear all about a lot of people meeting him. You know, hearing that. Well, he he wasn't as accessible. Um, he didn't go to a lot right. of conventions and stuff. I was twenty, and I went to, or I was twenty-one, and I went to the nineteen ninety-two San Diego Comic Con. Um, I met um, a lot of people there. Uh, Bob Kane went to that, and what was that uh, like then? Stanley. I was going to say, can you set the stage for that? Like, like where can you was paint this? that picture? Oh, do, do <laughs> yeah. you guys want to know what Comic Con was in, in nineteen ninety-two? I do. Uh, Please, we're yeah, we do. yes. Fuck yeah, yes. we do. <laughs> Um, I've said this before and I could be very wrong, but, um, and I, and I don't care, but, (laughs) but I was, I was out there with, um, one of my best friends, uh, Mike Gray, who I'm still in in contact with and, uh, he's an artist and and a cartoonist and his brother is as well. Um, I'm good friends with him and Doug was out there as well as brother. We, um, 
I think we stumbled on maybe the single most amazing con comic book convention in history in a way but at that one it was just um it was a time that um image had started right all the image guys were there but so many of the greats were still alive um jack kirby was celebrating i think it was what birthday was it? His 80th or birthday or something like that? Do you remember like where you were when you heard that there was this thing in San Diego and <laughs> that you and you looked at your buddy and went, let's oh, go. Oh, that must have been in the 80s. Yeah, early 80s. Yeah. Well, I already I already knew about San Diego Comic-Con um, pretty much when it started. My first con was in, in 80. Um, I was a little kid. And my mom had brought me to one and when I was living in Stockton. Um, and so... I already knew about the uh, Comic-Con and I was so excited. I was when I was 21 to go out there and I brought all the money I could muster. And back then it was in August. So it was in a little, it was a little later. Um, uh-huh. uh, it, it was a little later in the, uh, in the season than it is now. They changed the dates. And also the convention center hadn't been expanded as much. So it was literally physically half the size. But it was um, at the convention was center. Only, it wasn't at a hotel. Yes. Nope, it was okay. at a convention at the convention center, and it, 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 okay. especially like in '92, I've been there a number, of, well, many times since then, and, and actually had been there be- previous to that uh, year too. But that the '92 one is the one I want to focus on because that one was the one that just so many things were going on that, with the image explosion and trying to, you know, I wanted I brought a, um, a blank sketchbook, me and my friend Mike, to get signatures and. We had a very expanded, for our young age of 21, expanded um, kind of appreciation of comics. So we wanted to see Bernie Wrightson. We wanted to see William Stout. We wanted to see Bob Kane as well. Neil Adams. I, um, I met Jack Kirby. We'll get into that later. Stan Lee. But we also wanted to see Kevin um, Eastman and Peter Laird uh, created Teenage Mutant oh, yeah. Ninja Turtles. We wanted to see Charles Zess, Mike Kaluta, Mike Allred, who created Madman. We got to meet. Um, we got to see Jeff Darrow, um, who, who's one of my favorite illustrators and oh uh, buy God. some original work from him. Great. And, um, so we were really what did he like, have at that time? G- like Klaus and Wood. I don't know if Klaus is there actually, but Jim Woodring was there. He drew me a picture and he's one of my all time favorite cartoonists ever. So, I mean, it was so many different, every single era of comics were, it was that in the 1992, um, Comic-Con and the people that I'd never seen before or since were at that show. Um, I brought all the money I had. I was in college, so I didn't have a lot of money. And I, and I brought um, a few bucks and then I bought a couple things that just hit the market. Nobody had been buying them. And it was original um, comic book pages. And I had bought two of them that day. One of them was $100 and one was $80, which was an astronomical sum for me as a 21 year old, the $80 one was a John Bushima Thor page that had Thor. Um, I mean, um, Dr. Doom on it inked by Joe Sinnott. utterly fucking gorgeous. $80 original work. And the other page was a fucking Jack Kirby splash page from Captain America. Oh, issue one. Oh shit. Oh shit. Were you buying That's these it. from dealers or from the artists themselves? I had bought it from a dealer, and that's what brought me to Jack Kirby. And uh, later on, you guys, I'll, I'll got to contact you, and, and I'll send you a picture of this um, page because I could show you where he had signed it. Um, I know I our listeners after, would love to see it. 
<laughs> I'll definitely send a picture. Um, but I had sought him out and I showed him the page and I told him Andy Roz was with him. And I said, listen, I, I know that you uh, have struggled getting work back. Um, that um, I had read that Marvel had kept your work. And I know that there's some something going on with um, a lot of the old artists and not getting their work back. I said, I bought this page. Um, and if you want to keep it, it's yours. And he was like, Oh man, no, <laughs> he was, that's so sweet. And Roz even was, uh, who's been a huge advocate for him and defended him when, um, his whole life, she even was just like, sweetie, you no, we don't, this is a, you know, this is a battle much bigger than this page. And, um, Jack then signed it for me right in the middle of this beautiful explosion, Jack Curry splash page and wow. encouraged me to keep it. Thanked me. We chatted for a while and it was just wonderful. And then at one point there was this big kind of like, Oh, you know, kerfuffle or whatever going on. And I was just like, what the fuck's going on over there? And now I have to like yell because it's so much noise and I'm trying to talk to the greatest, you know, practitioner of, yeah. Yeah, uh, of comic books in, in, in the history and his, and his wife, who's a, a you know, a, a major, you know, you know, icon in, in, in his life and in comics in her own way too. I'm like, fuck, what the hell is going on? I look over and a swarm of people were just tailing, uh, Rob Liefeld and just like, Oh man, could you find this as he was walking by? And I'm like, <laughs> what in all the fucks ever I'm talking to, you guys, there's nobody even here. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Chasing this guy. Like, and at the time I was just like, you know, and, and I have since come to appreciate Rob Liefeld's um, contributions and his energy. I'm not the biggest fan of his, his artwork and technique, but at the time I was 21 going, I draw better than this motherfucker. I don't understand what the, the whole, you know, like, I don't understand what the whole deal was, but. For me, it was pretty crazy because I got to have that moment with Jack Kirby, and it was just so. It, it was such a uh, a moment of that time in comics that people would parade past him after Rob Liefeld and not realize what was what because of the the huge impact that that those the um, image guys McFarlane Liefeld and and. Um, uh, who else was there? Jim Lee and all those guys. And, and I've met all of them, you know, multiple times since then as well and have been signed. And I found them all to be pretty gracious. But, you know, it's like, it's just insane that a legend of that caliber was that accessible. And, and actually at that same con, I got to talk to Stan Lee for an extended amount of time too. His table wasn't nearly as slammed back then. You could just walk up and say hi to him, stand behind four or five people. It was unbelievable. Yeah, people- Todd McFarlane it took forever. Yeah. I think people forget like what the early mid nineties and even into the late nineties were like for some of the greats, you know, prior to the movies and stuff like that. Like, um, because I, I'll be honest, I, you know, I found my comic fandom a little later around the early nineties. So like 92 ish, um, the, the image, the image. <laughs> and and I'm talking to Cisco, right? Yeah. 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 Is this, this, okay. Sorry. I, I don't yeah. have the this, this screen on it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, because I listened to, to some earlier podcasts, and I was actually talking to a buddy of mine. I go, 
I bet you Cisco's enter, entering point in comics must have been the late 90s, just kind of based on the, the age. And uh, yeah, sounds like yeah, I, was, early, I was... It was more like early 90s when I really started to collect, though. It was, it was for sure the Image guys, but even a little bit predating that, but those guys when they were on the Marvel books. So like Spider-Man and X-Men during that time, right before they made the jump and then into the Image books. But, um, you know, and I didn't find out a lot of the sort of important comic history until much later... Um, through a good friend of mine who is a, a big um, Silver Age and Bronze Age uh, fan himself. And he really helped educate me on a lot of the stuff that I just didn't really know enough about. And then, to be honest with you, I did find out some of that stuff through, like, Wizard Magazine and things like that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so I found an appreciation later in life. But, you know, I, I can't lie. That, I, you know, I was, I was caught up in the image mania of it. Mania. You know? I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't go to Golden Apple and, like, wait for hours for – for rob or anything but uh i remember those times and i remember um spending some of my real money on like the glossy pages of the image books and stuff like that like that caught my attention for sure and the art was a big part of it i wasn't i wasn't as um i wasn't as invested in the storytelling as i was just the the art the beautiful pictures the beautiful pictures so Um, well i don't know when the last time you actually read one of those there there some of those are pretty difficult to read and it was you know it was an art driven yeah time you know yeah yeah. i'm sorry go ahead no, no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. I have tried to read them. Um, it's not easy. <laughs> I think that I honestly do think that the early spawn stuff was the only, the, the only one that I remember thinking like just recently in the last like five or 10 years being like, Oh, this is still kind of okay. You know, the art is good and the stories are, they're not great, but they're, they're okay. They're not as like, just kind of blah as some of them. No, I, I definitely enjoyed spawn, you know? And, and again, you know, it's, when image came out, I was, um, an art, you know, I was practicing art. I was in college. I was, um, a little bit older and I was, I was way more interested in what, um, uh, there, um, you know, Los Bros Hernandez were doing the, um, love and rockets. Oh, I was more interested yeah. in, um, Daniel Klaus's eight ball and Jim Woodring's Frank and Jim sure. books and Charles Burns early work and, and Jamie Hewlett doing tank girl and, and uh, all this stuff was, you know, because I was an older reader, I was reading Scott Musgrove's early comics and stuff, but I still absolutely was invested in um, Marvel and the, and the comic book trends as well with Liefeld Lee and, and all those um, guys who came out of Marvel. You know, and I have all the Marvel Liefeld Lee and, mm-hmm. and um, McFarlane stuff as, as well in, in my collection because... You know, you got to have an ASM 300. You got to have an Image 98. You know, yep. <laughs> those are whether you love those artists or not. Those are staples of the uh, of a of a solid, you know, a solid modern comic book collection. Sure. So, Matt, but, I, I'm like I'm a, I'm a little uh, illiterate when it comes to comics. They they were never my entry into pop culture. I love them and I appreciate them for what they represent. I'm going to ask a really dumb question and I, just because I respect you as an artist and I would be, I would love to hear sort of your thoughts on it. What is it about Jack Kirby that makes Jack Kirby so incredible? Like what, <laughs> like as an artist, what turns you on about Jack Kirby? Um, I had, for me, I had something that I have actually heard about with a lot of other artists and, and comic book creators. I had that Jack Kirby click moment. 
um, where I didn't understand Jack Kirby. The first Kirby book I got, I was probably about nine. I think I was about nine. And it was a reprint of some X-Men, um, X-Men uh, books. And I forget the imprint. It was a Marvel imprint, but it was like, it wasn't X-Men. It was like something Marvel, something presents X-Men or something. And um, I remember looking at his work saying, oh, it's so odd. It's blocky. It's got such, you know, mm-hmm. who might have been inking them at that point. Um, but I was like, oh, this is, it's just, but it was dynamic and weird and, 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 and weird to me, like alien and, and otherworldly almost. You know what I mean? And, and the way he, the way he drew power with his Kirby, um, Kirby crackle and his Kirby dots, all that was so fascinating, but I was just like, I'm not sold on this guy yet. It, it, it didn't have the, it wasn't as fluid as like a remittance Spider-Man or, or, or Michael Golden was the guy I was really looking at because the early Micronauts comics and stuff. So I was like, really like, Oh, I don't know about this guy. And then I, I think I was a little bit later. I started acquiring more books. Um, older back issues that had some Jack Kirby work in it. Just, I think, um, you know, I think I remember it was the uh, Eternals. I got a copy of the Eternals and it had that crazy, uh, I forget his name, Cornon uh, or some, some big old red dude. And I looked at that <laughs> and I went, and I was like, and it was a total Kirby monster, you know, total everything that you just, a, by, by definition, Kirby creature. And I just, yeah. something clicked and I went, I fucking love this shit. Like I loved him after that. And I was pretty young. And ever since then, um, I loved him. And then later as I got older, I was going, Oh my God, this is the guy who, this is the guy, you know, like who, who created all this stuff and did all the, you know, first X-Men, X-Men one and SF and Daredevil. And he even did Spider-Man first with the AF 15 cover. <laughs> you know, um, he's, you know, I mean, it's just so much that he contributed and I just became more and more um, kind of attracted to his work. And I, and, and I also appreciated the fact that even as a young fan of comic books, uh, Jack Kirby's work was immediately identifiable where I knew the name of the artist who did that without even having to flip to the front of the book to see who did it. Mm. So that, that's how singular yeah, he was to somebody who was, uh, so young and might not have been as discerning, you know, but I was definitely starting to recognize that. And he, it got me into looking into artists at a young age where I would say, Oh, I like this particular artist. Um, and Kirby was one of the guys who started uh, my, my appreciation for the people who actually drew the book and the, in the manner in which they drew them too. Where but you start just, following uh, an artist uh, like from book to book or being able to recognize, like you said, um, the style of a particular artist and, and knowing that you can jump from, you know, let's, whatever, you know, if it's uh, Captain America and then over to the Eternals because you, you really like his style. And, and I wish I'd, I wish I could say I did that. I actually didn't. I would happen upon him and I'd look for, I'd find books and back issues that I wanted and, and he'd be in it. I wasn't looking for Kirby books per se until I got a little bit older. Um, when ah. I was really young, if I, I loved ElfQuest. Oh my God. I loved the way Wendy Penny drew. I loved her stories. I loved, I was just so that, that became like, I always think of like Micronauts but with Michael Golden and stuff being like my first favorite Marvel book, which is super weird because like how much more buried and like, 
obscure can you get for a Marvel book, which is not sure. even owned by half of it's not even owned by Marvel anymore. I think IDW owns half the characters and Marvel owns the ones they created. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's just strange. I, then I loved Elfquest too, because I just loved the, the, um, the fantasy component. I just loved it. her art was just so beautiful. Um, and she, Michael Golden and Wendy Penny were two of the first artists that I just would know their name. You know, Wendy Penny wasn't associated with anything but ElfQuest and Elfairness, but Michael Golden did other things, you know, for, for Marvel Comics. So Jack Kirby later then became, um, when I, you know, when I was in high school and stuff, I really started going, yeah, this is the man. Okay. I know. And I started, you know, getting my knowledge and my research and knowing what, who he was to the whole Marvel thing, you know? Yeah. It's, so. it's funny. Steve is pulling up, um, as you're talking, he's sort of showing us Kirby pieces on the stream and it, it, I totally hear, and I totally see the Skinner and your connection to this artist. You can see the really bite, the really like bright, bold colors and bold black lines of you. And then those kind of like low angle, really huge monsters of Skinner, you know, that like, kind of like looking oh, up, it's really cool. You can see it. It's amazing. You can see the inspiration. Think about how, cool. how remarkable is it that this guy had such a major impact, impact on two different artists and the way they create art. And then Skinner and I are very different artists. Totally. Yeah, we both were pulling something from that energy. We both admire him so much, you know? And, 100%. Um, and I, man, I fucking love Skinner's work too, man. I mean, he's just like, and I do feel that Kirby energy in his work a lot too. So when I'm looking at his stuff and, and like I said, you know, it's just like, um, uh, I've had some fantastic conversations with Skinner concerning Kirby. I know he's, you know, I just know how passionate he is about Kirby and, and his contributions, um, mm-hmm. to comic books. Well, it's, you know? it's funny because we, Alex and I just taped a midnight movie club of Thor Ragnarok with, uh, I guess Emma Fife. And we were, it's funny that you brought up the Skinner thing because we played our thing and then the Skinner tag at the end played up and she looked at like, what the fuck is that? And we were like, oh my God. Like, as we had just spent an hour talking about Jack Kirby and, and Ragnarok and all this stuff. And we were like, if you like this, go check Skinner out. Like if like you're into fucking this Kirby stuff, go, go look at Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, then, you know, he's such a a phenomenal (laughs) presence and power in the way he executes his work. You just become a, Skinner fan after after oh. you see his shit, so <laughs> and then if you get to know him, you, you know um, you befriend him. Then you just become a Skinner fan because of his uh, um, his philosophy, the way he looks at life, and and, the, and just the, the just the quality of friendship that he he, he gives to the people he loves. He's, he's a remarkable dude. I really well. Uh, speaking of remarkable really dudes, one of the things I kind of wanted to float your way is. You know, your son Miles is a lover of comics as well. Very specifically, I know he has a very deep, profound love of Spider-Man. Uh, what I mean, he is not a comic book lover like I like like myself, gotcha. but he loves the um, he loves the MCU, and he has been really getting more into the books lately because I think he's um, starting to contrast the source material with the actual. Um, movies. He's such a prolific artist himself and a designer. And um, so this is, you know, I could, you know, I could see where now he's starting to get more excited about um, looking into the source material. 
but well, and way I would later say that to the game of, on that level. One of the great things about becoming a fan through, let's say, the MCU or the movies or the TV shows now is that because of the space and time that we're in now with the accessibility of the internet and, um, and then at the same time, the companies wisely collecting these things in a way that, um, that casual fans and, and hardcore fans and people who are new to the, the fandom can jump in easily and be like, Oh, I like this movie. This borrows some things from such and such storyline and it's broken down so easily on the internet. And you can just access that so simply at like the touch of a button. And, you know, a lot of the times that ends up being a gateway for people, you know, and just kind of like discovering the, the vast amount of just content you know i I know that's a a sort of a trigger word sometimes but the vast amount of content that is out there (laughs) don't worry i'm not triggered by it i'm I'm totally comfortable with that and you're right you know but it's a different you know that's the thing it's just like i do i i've watched all the movies i look forward to them um yeah i i i understand you know why the movies and the, the, the core source materials could be different when you're talking about, you know, Eternals or a bronze age creation, you know, sure. um, or actually they're silver, they're, they're silver into bronze and they have a, you know, so that, that's, it's just a different time. It's a different, you know, you don't want to make the Eternals from the, you know, late 60s, 70s, you know, you don't want to make, you don't want a 1963 Spider-Man, you know, you, you want to have, I don't even think you want the infinity war, like, or the infinity gauntlet it, verbatim to the comics that, you know, when that was released as well, I, I love kind of where the MCU and the comic books divert. I'm not one of those crazy guys who goes, Oh, that's nothing like the book. I, I don't give a shit. Um, I got the book. That's, what, I love that's the book. one of the great things that we actually talked about when we were talking about infinity war, which is that like, you you can't really do it like that. I think it would be too out there for for general audiences. And so like being able to kind of like take what makes those things great and then just twist it enough to like make it a little bit deeper, a little more nuanced, a little different and accessible yeah, more for contemporary, like, more more accessible and relatable to people and people right. who go to movies. Right, you know, and that way, that way, it can be an entry into the comic, um, comic book uh, uh, kind of collector, and it has been because I mean, I'm, you know, as as much as I love comic books and stuff, which I absolutely do, I also very closely track the market and the trends in comics and what's selling and for how much. I mean, I'm very well invested in this, so I, I want to make sure that I'm up on my investments. And man, these movies really make a significant impact on the value or the perceived value of the comics. So mm, yeah. t- tell me that these movies aren't creating comic book fans, you know, or, yeah. or impacting the comic book market. So they still go hand in hand. There's no, there's no doubt about it. It's just not in a, not in a way that maybe people anticipated initially, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of wild to think that these books that were kind of, uh, a little off the beaten path that kids were kind of going out and discovering in the sixties into the seventies. And then in the eighties really kind of reappreciating. And then the nineties, there's this boom. 
And now this art form might save the single biggest pop culture behemoth, <laughs> which is the movie. Like the fact that comic books will be the thing where people will look back and go, thank God the MCU was a thing because we almost lost cinema. Like I, I'm, I'm banging this drum. Like this Marvel yeah, site I, I, I is going to drum. save movie theaters. <laughs> yeah. When you were, when I've listened to the, uh, like the podcast the last couple of days and, caught up on a few episodes. Yeah, that's a drum, you know. Um, you know, I, I am not as savvy with with the, you know, say like if I want to talk about the movies or the, um, you know, and not just Marvel movies, but just uh, popular um, cinema as a whole. I do like a lot of, I do take in a lot of content on Netflix and cinema and stuff, but I don't pay attention to a lot of the dynamics in the theaters. My son is way more into that. He's got it. He's extremely knowledgeable in it. Um, and, uh, he's got he, good I taste, him. Kid. Oh yeah. He's got fantastic taste and he's, you know, he's definitely got a good, you know, a good, a good eye for, you know, what's coming out. And, and the thing is, is he's like really knows everything that's like happening and who's involved with it. And there's a lot of value to that when you're so passionate about that. And he, ultimately he'd love to land in, you know, as good and as talented as he is as an artist, you know, doing his gallery shows and doing his projects and all this other stuff. He, I think he ultimately would like to land in some sort of um, uh, opportunity where he's, where he's doing, and in a way he already has, because he works for um, um, Craig Aronowitz, who runs Barnyard Effects um, Studio. So he does practical effects work um, in, in LA, and he does that, um, you know, he does that for a large stints at a time, working on big projects. So, He's in it. I think he wants to be more on the the the, the director, writer, director kind of side of things as well. But you know, since I have somebody who's that passionate and that interested in it in my household, off and on when he's not in LA, I, I got somebody who could coach me up on that stuff. And but meanwhile, you know, I'm I'm really like <laughs> interested in just doodling and reading and collecting comics. <laughs> And uh, Marvel totally. comics are still amongst, you know, my, my favorite books. Yeah. You mentioned so. Klaus and you mentioned sort of, I guess, I, I mean, if you were to put like the lame moniker on it of like indie comics and you, you, you mentioned that there was kind of this moment where you started to kind of broaden out your spectrum like as a cinema as as a as a cinephile like i am it's like the moment you discover tarantino or like wes anderson and you you realize oh there's all this going on over here and i want to discover that uh you know outside of marvel are there any artists and books that you're like oh man this just had a huge impact on my life oh yeah those and it's a lot of those those independent books and and cloud you know with with uh, Klaus, I, I love that um, the Oakland Museum had a, a show with him um, featuring his work. He's actually a, 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 in, in the Oakland area. He, he resides in the Oakland area. But they did a, um, uh, a show with a lot of his original work and covers and stuff displayed at the Oakland Museum. And this was years ago. And I loved his books and stuff. But, uh, man, I got the full punch in the face. Um, I got to go there with my, my friend Patrick and... Um, and my friend John Wayshack, who's a, a very talented um, comic book artist and a mint artist himself. And it was fun to go with these guys because they were fans. They understood the art form. You know, Wayshack is a monstrously, brutally amazing 
practitioner of the art form, and we all got to go there and get our faces smashed by Klaus's original work and just how well executed it was, how considered it was. Then you realize just how good the stories were. And it's just, it's not like machine made in a way. It's not going yeah. through the process of a ton of hands on it. It's, you know, it's subtly, if at all, edited. It's very much a vision. And it has the feel of maybe the equivalent of an indie film, a high quality, very realized, brilliant indie film as executed by a brilliant, you know, <laughs> creator. It's interesting. And, it's interesting that we're talking about Klaus right now because I feel like I, I picked up a book today that, um, is from an artist and a, and a writer that I've become a big fan of over the years that I feel like has some of those same sensibilities. I picked up this book called red room by, uh, Ed Pisker. Oh yeah. And, I, uh, I got, I got the four variant covers and I've, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I can only get one, K-Fake. but, uh, yeah, I, I'm super excited to get into it because I've been following his, he, he, he teases it on his Instagram a lot. And I'm like, this looks so nuts. Like, I can't wait to get Dude, into it. Bonkers. I, I did. Um, you know, he has the cartoonist kayfabe, which is one of the, it's yes. probably my favorite comic book content YouTube. It is my favorite. And I, I'm, but I got the, um, I watched it, and he he got bootlegs in early, and uh, I, I did a corner boxing one on my uh, in, my comic book Instagram that uh-huh. they put up on the bootleg. So I sat there and I was just like watching him show this bootleg all the time, and I'm looking at you know like in my little corner box on this bootleg and stuff. So the guys who did the bootleg sent it to me, and I wasn't doing the Patreon. I didn't want spo- I literally did not want spoilers, so I didn't do his Patreon. But uh-huh. they sent me the bootleg, and so I got like a um, preview <laughs> of the book um, last like shit. I don't even know when. Like last like summer or something like that. Oh, and okay. Holy shit! I was like, yeah, this is going to be some shit. Like this is going to be pushing a lot of buttons, and it's definitely not a book for everybody. No, so, um, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> which, uh, which, which cover did you get? Because I, I got all four, but I will tell you that Jim Rugg's um, homage to Daniel Klaus is a really impressive uh, uh, cover. Yeah, my comic shop didn't get any of them. They only got the the main. Uh, I think it's the A cover, the red one. Okay, yeah. So that's the one I got. I like the Momoko one too. That one's really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like her work a lot. I, I picked up one of those from my uh, from my shop. I just felt like um, I, I've been on this like red room ride for so long because I watched the channel um, yeah. that I was just like, yeah, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fuck around. I'm huge fan of Ed Pisker. I he's uh, been very. Uh, you drop him a note, he answers you. He's reposted my artwork. He's been accessible. He seems yeah. like he's a fantastic guy. Um, he, and I was just like, yeah, I'm going to support this dude and um, definitely um, support my local comic shop. So I grabbed all four. <laughs> yeah, man. He he engages with people in a way that like I find so refreshing because just you don't see that from creators very often. And um, and him and I, it's so funny. The, I, I don't know what our age similarities or not are, but we have such similar sensibilities. You know, like his hip hop, his love for hip hop is so crazy. And he's from Pittsburgh, oh, yeah. I think, right? Yep. Yeah. And so it's so funny to, you know, like his, his, uh, history of hip hop is just such a amazing sort of opus. And then when he, when he came over to do that, I was so intrigued when he decided to do the, the X-Men grand design thing. I was like, that seems so 
mainstream like and weird for him but it was great and then this is well, like a whole his, other direction his kid drawings you could see he was obsessed with that stuff too and their right. and their analysis of wizard you know they they didn't you know he he's definitely um an independent um type of artist uh, especially with the, the kind of projects he's done but he's also a tremendous uh, a fan of the mainstream comics too. You could tell sure. um, him and the, and and Jim Rugg is the co-host on Cartoon Escape. You could tell that they were influenced and um, and very inspired by mainstream books too. And it seems like they went on the same journey as a lot of people who are super interested in the comic book art form that they found who's good and this and that, which is great, especially if they're such if they're actually content creators. You want them to have great taste because. That in, mm-hmm. that influences and inspires them to make great work, which they yeah. absolutely do. But you know, it's just like I, they. It, it is to me, it's like the most comforting thing is to, to take a walk and listen to the kayfabe and listen to these guys talk about comics in the most relatable way. And also, I learn so much as well from these guys. Um, they they have such high comic book IQ and comic art form right. IQ. It's um, but they but talk yeah, about it good, in a good very catch on that red room, man. <laughs> but the way that they talk about it is so accessible too. It's not like it's not too highfalutin. It's not too, you know, it's not too in the weeds. Like they're very um they I don't know another word other than accessible. It's just the way they talk about stuff and um they just seem very personable. Yeah. You, and, yeah and it's, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. It, it, it does make it such a um and that's the thing. And that's like, uh, you know, I remember, um, uh, I think it probably was, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty certain it was a Skinner who did hit me up and said, Hey man, yeah, check these dudes out. You know, like yeah. this is, you got to check these dudes out. Um, yeah. and I think I actually had already done that. Um, but I think he, he, uh, he texted me a link to, uh, one of the wizard breakdowns. Um, and yeah, I was just like, oh, this is, this is insane. And then like, I guess over, you know, over time, um, I, I, I've been kind of sharing it, uh, that, that, that YouTube channel and that, and, and the kind of that, their perspective with other friends of mine too. Um, and other artist friends of mine who've, who, who've been, who are comic book fans and really digging it. And I just love the equal distribution. They'll sit and talk about, uh, a mainstream Marvel con like a, like Sam Keith's work on the Hulk before he went over to Marvel comics present. And that'll be yeah. a whole show. And then you got your, you got to taste the Sam Keith. You got to taste the Marvel comics. You got to taste the Hulk, all the stuff that you love. Then they yeah. turn around and then you, you don't know what's coming next because then the next day it could be, you know, Ice Haven by Daniel Klaus, or it could be like, you know, like a, um, just some, total outlaw comic or caliber press comic that of an artist you might never have heard of. Yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And their shoot interviews are dope too, because they, those guys have, um, they, they have some umph behind them so they could get some really amazing guests on their show too. Um, yeah, they have yeah. like that. They have that, that, uh, it's so interesting. Yeah. They, they just touch all the bases. They have that like wrestle, that, that wrestling sensibility too, where you, when they have those <laughs> shoot interviews. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's where I don't, I, I, I just go, I trust you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know you guys are interested. I know you know what you're, you're talking about. And I know that you guys have the, your fan base, a lot of your fan base does too, but it, wrestling was something that kind of, um, 
dodged, I kind of somehow never fell into my, my life. So same um, you can only have I, so I actually, many. Same thing. You can only have so many fan fandoms, man. You can't like can't be everything. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I actually Googled the kayfabe um, after um, oh, right. I think I listened to him like twice. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm pretty invested. I think that this is going to become a regular thing. And if that's yeah. the case, I might want to know what the word kayfabe means. So sure. I, I didn't actually <laughs> Google it. I had no fucking clue. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Matt, yeah, before, before we, before we start to wind up, I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about it. You and Cisco were talking about covers and variants. And I just think our listeners would be super stoked on keys and grails. Like, oh, do you want to just give, <laughs> yeah, like I keep, cause I honestly, it's, it's one of my favorite follows on Instagram. Do you want to uh, just kind of oh, give you. our listeners the little rundown on what, what keys and grails is? Cause I think they'd really fucking dig it. All right. I love talking about keys and grails. Um, and, and, our, and, and we're trying to build up a followership. Um, it's, uh, and I say we, because it's keys and grails is, um, my friend Patrick, my friend Michael and myself, and we are, um, we have different roles in keys and grills. The Instagram is, uh, I'm pretty heavy on the Instagram stuff. Um, but keys and grills, we feature a comic every probably two days or every day. If I'm, if I'm doing something like today, I started a little thing like called five days of fanographic. So today I started with red room and that's kind of to celebrate red room drop in today. And then also fanographics, which is one of my all time favorite publishers of comics so we're doing five days of fanographics so on instagram at keys like like a key and and grails like grail because keys and grails describe high value comics key issues you know first appearances and stuff like that grails is something like ff1 you know fantastic for one where it's these this mm-hmm. what you know those mighty comics blue chip books that you know that everybody kind of knows about so we're called keys and grails but um, I draw a corner box for every single post. Um, I draw oh, the characters incredible. involved. Every they're single incredible. post. I just, it is I just followed you right now and I'm looking at ton. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a shit ton of work outside of all the drawing chores and content that I have to generate for all the other crap that I do. But it's worth it for me um, because I do them before bed or I'll do them with coffee or something. And oh it my gives God, us a chance. The static one is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it gives us a chance to showcase these beautiful books and the diversity of comics that are available to people. Our, our very eclectic and very well rounded comic sensibilities, mostly our books and some big time books. You know, I'll put up real big, expensive books. We buy those and, and have them in our collection. So we show those off as well. Mm-hmm. And super obscure artists, but. In every single post, there's, I draw a Silver Age style corner box that features the characters. And I do it in my style as an homage to whatever artists or characters are actually, you know, featured in that book. And it's just been a super fun um, thing. And we have products, you know, like uh, we got like pins and we got, you know, kind of like Black uh, Series Rebels. We got, um, you know, we do... Uh, and I get to do all the design work and stuff, which is super fun. But, um, you know, we'll do like prints, we'll do like enamel pins, we'll do stuff like that. And, uh, we also partner up with a couple of our favorite local comic shops, um, Crush Comics and Cape and Cow in Oakland. Uh, Crush Comics is in Castro Valley. And we do stuff with our local shop. 
And um, anytime a, a good friend of ours, like Skinner, um, our friend Dennis just did a headlocker cover. Uh, my fr- our friend Wayshack does a lot of work, so we'll oh. feature Wayshack's book. Um, my friend, my favorite um, book. My friend Alex Pardee did a um, an Invader Zim cover. I threw up there. I got some books in in my back pocket from other friends, so it gives us a chance. And I, I've actually post, put up my own fucking. Of course, it's my fucking site. I get to put up my own stuff, so I've done my own variant covers and then and the original covers as well. But um, yeah, it's a super fun, um, super comic, you know, rich um, comic content IG page, and I, I think it's one of the coolest ones. Um, actually on Instagram, I don't, you know, that's why we want everybody to go there. We want everybody to check it out. Not to, not for the fame or to get numbers or this or that. We just think it's so dope that if you love comics and pop culture and you want to see a dose of, um, you know, original art in the corner, you you know, it's just a fun thing to hit your, you know, page when you're scrolling or whatever your, uh, your stream when you're scrolling. So check it out. Amazing. It's, you know, it's a it's a fucking stellar follow and i will tell you man it probably is the best looking instagram feed in the fucking world it's so world. clean like so you just clean. scroll through it like honestly I do, even if I you do have fucking ocd <laughs> <laughs> like i, I oh, like draw God. it and i do and i actually draw it to see what books like i go shit i think i have that book <laughs> i think i posted mm-hmm. that book let's see if i have it but um it's fun i like you know and it's different. I, I have a lot more, um, it's, I approach it different than my own personal page. And my own personal page is usually the, um, little bigger scale as far as like the work I put on it. And, um, uh, very personal to just my artwork and my own, my own stuff that I'm working on. Whereas keys and grills, um, though it is always my artwork in the corner, not always my book. You know, we do have a community where I show, we have good friends who who will get a banger book. Um, I'll always do the corner box, but we'll feature and then credit the person with their book. Um, and you know, it, it's kind of shares a little bit more of the, our, our comic book collecting community. Um, and that's why I kind of like it as opposed to my own page, which I, I like as well, but it's my own page is like everybody else's own page. It's, you know, I just put my, my artwork up on it and my own personal shit. And it's not really as community based. Keys and Grails is very community based for the comic book community. Yeah, I I, I think uh, for anybody out there listening that wants to, you know, we we talk a lot about this show on the show about sort of go out there and try to find artists that you don't know about, find musicians that you don't listen to, watch movies that you wouldn't normally watch, like to really appreciate the stuff you love, you have to kind of build out your taste level and grow the variety of content. And I say that in brackets, however you feel about that word and, and, <laughs> and, and help yourself kind of discover new things. And I, I know I'll forever be grateful to Cody for introducing me to you, which introduced me to Skinner, which introduced me to Alex Bardi. And it's kind of it got me off of the basic path and, and really kind of exploring my own sort of like tastes and avenues. And, and within that discovered a deeper love for cinema and music and everything. So I, I really would encourage yeah, people to go check out Matt's work, check out keys and grails, check out 
and, and let that be your gateway drug to more incredible artists that you may or may not have stumbled onto. Like less time, and this is no judgment, like less time liking all the stuff you normally like and, and kind of branching out and growing. And Matt, if the people want to find you on Instagram or Keys and Grails or online, where can they find you? So to stay on scene with the Marvel stuff, um, check out my page. It's at rat one, three, six, R A T like the animal. And then one, three, six, so rat one, three, six. And then you, I've been working on these very elaborate vintage Marvel stamps that look like they were, you know, produced in the, at the turn of the century, but they feature all the MCU characters. Well, most, almost all MCU characters, if they've been in the MCU, um, their likenesses as if they were presidents and stuff. And all the numbers and the patterns are very specific to that character. They're very, um, very detailed and meticulously executed, um, replicas of, of that. And that's been what I've been working on lately. And then you could scroll through and see a million different things and styles and projects I've worked on. But, um, on first, at first blush, if you go to my page, you um, my last number of posts have been very, uh, Marvel, you know, Marvel centric. So they're awesome. And then you have a spoke art thing coming up. No. Um, I, I'm in the Moleskine project show again. I've, uh, it's Moleskine 10. Um, I last right before COVID shut down everything. My son and I had a father son, um, two person show at spoke art in San Francisco. Um, and that was a very pop, um, just a pop centric. And I, and I actually did hand painted a lot of, um, comic book covers and then got a CGC account. And then instead of sending something like that to a framer, I literally had my painting, painted covers, hand painted covers encapsulated to display them at a gallery show. And I don't know if anybody's tried that yet, not to my knowledge. So, um, I had a bunch of comic books that were CGC encapsulated, um, signature series books on the wall at a gallery, as well as a lot of paintings and, you know, uh, you know, paintings. And then Miles had a, he brought a, he, he brought the thunder too. I mean, that kid just crushed it. So if you go back in my feed at Ryan one, three, six, you'll see a lot of those works as well. And you could follow Miles Ritchie at Miles Ritchie to see my son's stuff too. If you really like a lot of pop culture and Marvel content too, you've got plenty I'm of that. Looking at, I'm I'm looking at the books now, Matt. I think that I think it was for a show, a uh, heads up, right? Conversation with, uh, I'm, I'm looking show. at you. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> dude, this, this X-Men Cyclops one is fucking fire. <laughs> it's so fucking Very cartoony. There, that spells the opposite almost of the stamps that I've been doing, which are super rendered and stuff. And then the comic book covers I did are very, you know, very stark and 2D and cartoony. So just are the, around different styles. Are the stamps ballpoint pen or are they a digital to, to almost look as if they're ballpoint? They're digital. And um, the reason I went digital is to imitate the old um, engraving look and, totally. and fade them and then have the, the, um, the, the paper texture and all that stuff to make them really look authentic. I, I, I chose to go the digital route. I'm literally drawing one right now as we're speaking. Um, the last one in my third series, because I did have these done, um, stickers. So like 
when you get the stickers, they literally look like post. People go, dude, this looks like a legitimate real stamp, you know, like, um, <laughs> you're going to have so <laughs> many fucking sell, people sell, trying to throw those on letters. <laughs> oh my God. We sell the shit out of these things. The, the day they go up, they go, I put them up limited, um, six packs of these things. And, um, man, they get, they shoot out the door, man. I, I didn't know people gave a shit about, um, little stamp stickers, but man, we, we, uh, we drop them <laughs> and they go, they go so fast. People are, um, uh, people are weird. <laughs> well, uh, hey man, trust us. We, we hey, can relate. We know we learned from the best. Matt, thank you so much for coming on brother. This has been, uh, my favorite episode of the entire Marvel line that we've done. And I, I really hope that our listeners, uh, dive in and check out some rad stuff. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, man. I am looking forward to seeing you again too. Uh, as soon as we get an opportunity soon enough, well, man, actually, you know, I'll be all up all in the Bay. Be fun. I'm, I'll be up man. in the Bay, but if you're in LA, you know, uh, 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 we're there, man. So thank you so much for coming on and we will see you all next week on BSR later. What's up, guys? I'm here at Pixar. I'm about to go in, uh, start working on a collaboration project with Pixar. Just kidding, man. I don't play that soft little baby shit, man. That's Satan all day, that evil Satan stuff, heavy metal shit, man. I don't fuck around with a little baby shit like that.